Question number 91 for the army. Ah, so you can't do a pull-up. Welcome to the club, mate. I can do squats for days, but just couldn't crack a pull-up. But no one's a full package when they arrive. So you all muck in. Your mates take you out for some extra training. Got my first pull-up in a week. They're absolute legends. The army is recruiting now. To have your questions answered and find where you belong, search Army Jobs. It's a good show. I don't know why you wanted to start recording when we have no idea what we're going to talk about today. Because if you don't know what you're going to do for an episode, and then you spend an hour figuring out what to do for the episode, that's it's the hour during which you're figuring it out that people want to hear in a podcast. I don't know about that, but I think we have a new song today. Yeah, we have a theme song. Um, should we play it? I guess. Waiting long is easy when you This song should One take One take Aww Yeah They threw me in there My only beef with that one is I don't But it might be our Production's fault That it, it didn't How dare you blame our production for It didn't anything. start with a bang It, it was like a booth fade in <laughs> <laughs> So it was less dramatic um, Alright that was by Phil D Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil D. Thanks for you really filled me. our D's. Oh no! Yeah, that's what this this episode's going to be like today. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is a tradition. Let's check in. How drunk is Dan coming in? Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty drunk. Yeah. Like drunk enough. Like, yeah. Not shit faced. I don't know if I've ever come into the show, but I'm like, uh, I'm seeing double, and I think Jessica's like my niece, and like I like I'm I'm waving a butter knife around the studio. That hasn't happened yet, but I'm not going to withhold that experience from you guys either. But I've been pretty forthcoming when uh, I'm, I'm coming in on two coffees and when I'm coming in on uh, fifth of kettle. Yeah. Today's more the latter. <laughs> so then I come in and we're like, well, we don't really have an episode. Well, you know, then I guess, guess what? The show needs to be honest and be like, we don't have an episode. I mean, we could just, we could have taken five minutes Mm-mm. to just like pick an email or something. Let's take that five minutes right now. Oh my God. Yeah, but what, you want me to scroll through emails right now? Well, good, but bring up the email. Where's the email? Let me pull up the email. This is terrible. This, this needs, this is going to be our first episode that features heavy editing. Well, what if it's not heavy editing? What if they just pull out all the pauses? But then we'd lose the melodic sounds of you chewing. <laughs> <It'll> <laughs> of be... you crunching on trail mix in a desperate attempt to fill your belly with something that isn't vodka. It could be genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let me. I'm going to pull up the email. Do you even have access no. to the emails? I mean, I'm trying. Look, I mean, we'll edit this part out, but. <laughs> no, I mean, you wanted the truth. I think people should hear this part of it. Um. All right. How do you? How do I will. You, I will say something. I'm uh, very happy and um, excited today because Spencer went out and got me a bottle of Vauban, and that, and I finally get the true Jessica juice in studio today, and I'm very happy. That is nice. Uh, okay, create new. Type the name. Okay, Waiting. here. Look, just look at this. You, son just oh. walked in like a well, responsible his, producer. Well, that's his email. I mean, it's his laptop. I don't. Yeah. Wanna. Okay. Well, All I right. mean, don't go digging around in his laptop. All right. All right. Well, are you just going to randomly pick one? Yeah. Oof. This is going to be so email roulette. 
Well, for, I'm going to go back. Okay. When, when did we start the podcast? Uh, Let's purge this email box, you know? Yeah. Hey, Jessica and Dan. First, I wanted to say that I love the show. It's quickly becoming one of my favorites. There's not really another podcast that speaks to these topics. Blah, blah, blah. Second, as a white, straight, cisgendered, blah, blah, blah. Appreciate blah, blah, blah. All right. POC, blah, blah, blah. I'm writing to you both with something I've been puzzling over for a little while. Wait, is that we already answered this guy, right? That's Colin. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, okay. I'm producing, writing, acting in my first feature this summer, a big, messy project that I'm working on with friends from home. I'm from Vermont, currently living in Brooklyn. The thing that I'm struggling with, frankly, is the sheer blinding whiteness of the cast and crew we've gathered together. With the exception of one Chinese actor, everyone in the cast is white. The thing is, the whole conceit of the project is to make something with all of our friends from home, people who know each other very well and have been working together for, in some cases, decades. And we're from rural Vermont, one of the whitest places on the planet, so it makes sense that this would be the case. I can't help but feel, though, that this is a microcosm of the industry in general. We hire who we know. We hire people like us. And look, I'm no hotshot film producer making a big picture for Hollywood. Me and my friends are just trying to make something together because we love the work and we love each other. It's not likely that our contribution to film is going to make even a blip of a blip on the radar screen of the film world. But I still feel this gnawing sense that by doing this, I'm contributing to the problem. That my thinking is insidious precisely because I'm woke and therefore feel this is an acceptable exception to what should otherwise be the rule, i.e. working towards inclusiveness and thoughtful representation. All I really want, to, want is to make stuff, to act and to write and do these things in a way that connects people to their humanity or at the very least to elicit some modicum of emotion they wouldn't otherwise have felt. But I don't want to do it if I'm contributing oppressive white hegemony. I want to be an ally. I know that that isn't always an easy or straightforward thing. So I was hoping you guys could help me mull this over a little. My God, Colin. I mean, what do you say to this guy? Well, I think that, um, I think people should be, even white people should be allowed to tell their own stories. And if the story, the specific story he wants to tell is about like him and his friends growing up in rural Vermont, like that's a legit story that can and should be told. And I don't think he should feel uh, that bad about it. But um, but if if you want to alleviate your guilt a little bit, like... Um, Wasn't there a mailman? <laughs> um, I mean, it just depends on, like, what is, what is the... How real is the story you're telling? And also, like, what part of your life you want to put into it you know like do you want to you can add in parts where what happened after you moved to Brooklyn and like have you made new friends have you been around people have you had interactions that are like new and diverse to you um, but I think that you're allowed to just tell whatever uh, your personal story is and if it is very white then I think you should maybe also examine like your uh, your social circle currently. Yeah. I mean, how much of that really helps him in the moment? I, I think he's a guy, it sounds like he has a script, I would assume, or let's not even assume that, but it's like, 
charging full on into like he wants to make his stand by me. Mm-hmm. He's gonna make his sand lot. He, he he's making his. This is how things were when I was ten years old in rural Vermont, and I want to focus on what made the character named Hickey Hickey, and what made the character named Glasses Glasses. And the answer is they were uh, dudes that one of them had a Hickey, and then one of them had glasses. And the, the, I think part of the question is like. Which is a very, very intriguing question with no simple answers at all. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to have this conversation. Is like, here we have a guy going, and I mean, I don't know about you, but I got the the impression that, I mean, this guy is like, has no shortage of thought about the topic. He's mm-hmm. not guilty of of self-centeredness and, and unawareness and all this stuff. In fact, he's paralyzing himself creatively because he hears podcasts like this and is going, I don't want to be racist, but I just had this instinct to make this story about like me and my best friends go skipping school one day, but they're all white. And I and and then we listen to Jazz Waters, and she goes, "Don't make a race neutral character. Don't 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 make your don't write Stand by Me as a script, and then cast a black kid as one of the four kids, and then and then it's completely weird that he's black because there's no mention of his skin, and there's no mention of his neighborhood, and there's no his character wasn't based on that. Jazz, a drama writer, was sort of like, you're kind of. You're 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 not part of the problem, but you're part of a different problem doing that because now black kids watch uh, your Stand By Me, and one kid is inexplicably black. And on one hand, that was great messaging for the '90s, where you go, "Wow, it doesn't matter what color you are." Meanwhile, totally matters what color you are when you go to the bank, when you go to the gas station, when you step out of the street, when a cop pulls you over, and therefore everyone that watches movie and TV, if they see a Disney-approved filtered thing that's just diversity through casting, go, oh, one of those kids is black, but they're not me. They're a body snatcher. That mm-hmm. was Jazz's point. It was like, who are these people mm-hmm. on camera? These 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 people that work, you know? You yeah, know, and I'm sure there. I'm sure different people of color are going to have different answers. But for me personally, like I think it's why I say like it was unfair for people to shit all over Lena Dunham specifically for um, having such a white cast because. She's it's a semi autobiographical show about her and her friends. And I very much believe that 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 is what her world, her social world was like, you know. So I think that people like should and should be allowed to tell whatever their their true story is. And so I don't think you should feel bad that if you're trying to tell this true story about your life and your life was very white in rural Vermont, like that's totally fair because that's the truth, you know, like. I I wouldn't be mad at this guy for doing that. Um, yeah, I the, mean, I I'm not mad at the at Friends. I'm not mad at Seinfeld. I, I never. Yes. You know, I I, I know I don't. Now there may be uh, other people that 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 have are more invited to that conversation than mm-hmm. I am. Like, but that, that that are like, yeah, no, those are part of the problem, and I'm not denying that either. Mm-hmm. That the fact that. Seinfeld and Friends are like number one shows in history that are syndicated for billions of dollars and it's just a bunch of white people and we celebrate the differences between the different types of these white people. Yeah, like my issue isn't that like it's not that I think Friends and Seinfeld shouldn't exist. It's just that I think the Friends and the Seinfeld for people of color should exist in equal numbers, Mm -hmm. you know, so and that's something that's out of 
Colin's. Control. I think that's where you and I agree, and I mm-hmm. think that's yeah. That you would so you and I would say to Colin, no, make your white show. Yeah, make your white that show you, that's that, about your life and about your childhood. That's totally fine. Make your white movie. Make your white sling blade. Your yeah. white like like because uh, it it. It, the alternative is this thing where you make sure that there's a black guy in your little 10-year-old sling blade, like Sandlot movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I would then zoom in on that and say, but I, Colin seems like he has a high IQ and is mm-hmm. like very worried about this shit. Mm-hmm. So to me, Colin is self-policing already. Mm-hmm. So Colin wouldn't have written the email if he... If he already saw, an, like, like in his story about his sandlot or whatever, he's like, oh, I could make, I could, well, my best friend could easily be black. In fact, that would actually dimensionalize the character. And I actually do have a black friend in adulthood and I could, you know what I mean? Like, sure. like, like he wouldn't have written the email because he would have, he would have clearly the anxiety that caused him to write the email would have caused him to like go through these things. So he's actually writing and saying, yeah, but what if you are obsessed with this stuff and have anxiety about it and don't want to do wrong? But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you also just want to make the sandlot or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and staff, you and I are yeah. kind of going like, yeah, make your sandlot, um, staff your crew with people of color. You know, give people of color opportunities in any aspect that you possibly can. The real key to helping and being an ally is really like the more the higher up you get and the more power you accumulate, like how much you help and support as you climb. Awareness starts at that's all Mm -hmm. it starts with. Like, let's say Colin is like secretly, even though he doesn't know it, he's like he's working on like this amazing thing. It's going to blow the sky open Mm -hmm. and to the point where it actually uh, just America and beyond like loves this like 15 minute movie he makes about four white kids solving a crime out of a Mm treehouse. So like because that happens now unwittingly, he's even more a part of the problem. And he's a, but like the problem the, the the problem starts being solved by the fact that he's aware of the check he's cashing at the privilege bank while he's making that movie. Mm-hmm. I.e., he goes, you know what? I'm making this movie, and it's like from my youth, and it's a it's called Monster Squad, and it's like four kids they fight a Dracula, and everybody's white and fucking whatever. I'm just like I never grew up with no black kids, and I did grow up thinking about what it'd be like to fight Dracula, and Dracula ain't black, and. He just he just goes with all these default decisions, and he just he's like it's hard enough to fucking get work and be creative, and I just did it. And like the the him being aware of it, the thing that made him write the email, I would assume is part of the solution because like if he's a good guy and he's thinking about that stuff, and his and his movie makes eight billion dollars and wins an Oscar, he's gonna walk away. I would hope not going. Well, I found the solution. It's all about white people <laughs> that he his that he would walk away going like Spielberg did like 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 Spielberg went started entering his like atonement with his Jewishness phase. You know what I mean? Like it was like, let me let me make everybody happy with like my popcorn movies. And then uh, but like that, 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 that Colin would go, my second movie is going to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Jazz Waters approach and go. I'm gonna, now I'm gonna make another one of those. But now, what about the neighborhood I didn't grow up in? Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Like, what if what if he creates a great show about four kids growing up in rural Vermont, and then as the show becomes more successful, they can expand uh, the universe of this show. You know, like what happens when like it starts focusing on an ancillary character and their family and their lives, and you know what I mean. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much more. You can open it up, but also 
also, it doesn't have to be that show. It could be this is your show. This is the one show that it's about that's about you and it's very true to life. And then but you give people opportunities where you can. And I think that's totally fair. All right. We're going to burn through these. This is a great fucking episode. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, yeah. It's like, wait, what? Not to put too fine or too broad a point on it, but like white guys doing everybody a big old favor in order to prove they're not racist also hasn't been the solution yet. So white, white guys knowing like Colin, to me, I'm not the one that gets to give him this ticket, but that <laughs> that email, if I'm looking for if I'm looking for guys that are part of the problem, I'm I'm not you know, I'm skipping Colin. Yeah, yeah. Colin's yeah. Colin's taken care of. That plant's watered. Like 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 he's 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 aware, he's thinking about shit. Yeah. Uh, don't use it as an excuse, but whatever. Well, what we're saying is we appreciate the thought you've put into it, Colin. Yeah, and 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 give yourself a little bit of a break because like you're a honky, you're gonna make a honky movie. Yeah, Dan okay. as an official delegate of white dudes is giving <laughs> you a white dude pass. Uh, just uh, yeah, total case by case basis. But yeah, the awareness is amazing and will lead to all kinds of like experiment. And, and, and growth. All right. Uh, this is Josh. I don't know who, who wants to stay anonymous or not. I'm riffing this. I'm going through just, the inbox. Yeah, just do first name only. Hello, guys. I'm a cis white guy from the St. Louis region. One of my hobbies is cosplay. Within the community, there's a sort of widespread agreement that white people should not cosplay as characters of color. White people of color... Wait. Well, oh, I'm sorry. While people of color are more free to cosplay white characters due to the sheer racial imbalance of popular characters. I totally agree with this point of view. There are two specific instances outside of this norm that I am curious for your thoughts on. The first is anime. Many white folks cosplay as anime characters without any real consideration for the race of that character. I've heard some people completely deny that anime characters are Japanese slash are coded as Japanese, which I just find befuddling. Others recognize this but don't see cosplaying an anime character as appro- uh, as appropriative. The second is a situation that made me much more uncomfortable. Buckle up. Got my popcorn out. Uh, I once saw a white man at a convention cosplaying as Robert Downey Jr.'s character from Tropic Thunder oh, in full boy. blackface. Yeah, here we go. I know that's the gag of the character, but seeing a real person in blackface in real life was absolutely jarring. To his credit, it was a spot-on recreation of that character, but geez. I would love to hear your thoughts about representation in cosplay generally as well as any thoughts of these particular racial quandaries. Okay. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I think that uh, I think it's you can cosplay as any character you want as long as you don't do blackface or yellow face or what ha- or brown face. You know, like the, the every Halloween, it's it's like people of color watching for which white celebrity is gonna fucking step in it. You know, um, like uh, I feel like a couple of years ago, Julianne Huff like. Uh, wa- went dressed as a Crazy Eyes from mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Orange is the New Black, and she did straight on full on fucking blackface. Right. And it's just this like, oh, well, you know, I wanted to look like the character, which is an asinine thing to say <clears throat> because you can't, first of all, you cannot cite ignorance of history as an excuse. It's an explanation, but it's not an excuse. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that there's a difference between an explanation and an excuse. You can explain yourself and what your thinking was, but it doesn't excuse your behavior and your 
lack of awareness. Um, and you still have to take responsibility for the fact that you fucking stepped in a pile of racial shit, you know? Um, and I, th- yes, absolutely. You can, there's tons of celebrities who were dressing up as like people of color from Orange is the New Black that year, but there were people who, plenty of people who did it without going into blackface and you still got who they were. Can I ask a, just a curious, like, Asperger-y whataboutism? Oh, boy, here we go. Guy, and here's what about our... Sea lion, sea uh-huh. lion segment. Um, what if you are... What if you love crazy eyes and... Um, and you're cosplaying as her, mm-hmm. and you do know that blackface is inappropriate culturally, um, but you want to make sure that you land as crazy eyes, and so you buy a wig, like your hair. Like, what if you're a white person that wants your hair to emulate? And I, I'm, I, it's not mm-hmm. a rhetorical question, nor is it. Nor am I asking you what are the rules. Mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like I'm sea lioning, kind of. No, the sea lioning is when you don't actually care what the answer is, I, and you're trying to like goad people. Yeah, this is your Asperger's-y, like I'm lifting like rocks, splitting hairs. Well, well, not. I wouldn't do it if I thought that the reason I was doing it was to. I'm not doing it for the reason that a lot of people do that. I'm not. I'm not trying to create the fact that truth is relative and that technically speaking, that's not what I'm doing. I'm actually wondering out loud, like um, in a world where we do understand most of us that if you t- that if the character you fetishize and want to mm-hmm. be as hot for Halloween is like you want to has darker skin than you, that that while it may be a very logical thing for you to do to reach for a can of shoe polish or bronzer or whatever and like make your skin darker because maybe it's even part of that character like the way it is for like George Hamilton and Cannonball Run or whatever how tan you are like it, uh, ignorance is easy to forgive when it's, it's like 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 you just like oh I didn't know I don't I didn't know that the word watermelon meant what it means like that's a that could be a legitimate millennial response and yeah. I, I don't know who this person was that did crazy eyes. It's like I don't know how young they were or how they grew up. If they She's told in her me, 20s. if they told me that they didn't know, I, it was like, oh, yeah, you didn't know. It's like like awkward, but but all the better that that then you're like, oh shit, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't have this. I was homeschooled, or I'm like, I just came out of the womb. Like I didn't know. I love that show. I love that character. I love. I I did. I wasn't plugged into any of this history of this thing of like 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 the idea of like white. people. People going like, look at me, I'm black, and smearing shit on their face to to, to be blacker. That 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 has like this whole horrible like thing. If you told me I didn't know that, I'm a Scientologist. I was raised in a battleship's basement. I would go, oh, cool, but party foul. Like, like, yeah, like, that's like, what I mean by there's a difference between excuse and explanation. Yeah, that explains why you could conceivably convince someone that you genuinely had no idea about any of this, of the appropriateness and the historical context. But then you still have – but it doesn't excuse it. So you still have to take responsibility for it and say, like, I really fucked up. That was a really fucked up thing I did. And I need to learn about history, which should have been covered in history class, which I guess is also side indictment of the American public school system. Mm. It's one thing to learn. Yeah. So you learn it. You learn about these cultural stop signs. And that's 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 grand. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, OK, well, I'll, I'll just say this. Like in general, like here's a tip, white people. Um do people's race uh, is uh, cannot be a costume. Do not use race as a costume. You can dress up as a character, but do not dress up as a 
race as a costume. So that that goes like double for the girls who go to Coachella and put on like Indian headdresses, Native American headdresses, mm-hmm. and things like like that. Do not put on people's race and culture as a as a costume. I was at a I was I was in a gathering of of people the other day, and I can't even recall. I only recall the details. Like I I know that at one point. Oh, I was at an engagement party, and uh, um, the gr- I was in a circle of people, and you're high and you're drunk and you're you're talking to people, and um, people started talking about each other's teeth, and people were like showing each other a teeth. Now, I I was very embarrassed in this conversation because the fact is that I imagine my teeth as being a lot more yellow than anybody in L.A.'s. And so I'm like, why are we looking at teeth? Can we stop looking at (laughs) teeth? To be fair, I feel like people in L.A. have far, far whiter teeth than anywhere else in the world. And straighter and like, like, like whatever. But like, you know, I, I, you know, I also can fall back on like, by the way, my teeth are Rick and Morty. So fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm in L.A. So like, that's why I'm here. But it occurred to me like, like halfway through it, maybe it's the influence of this podcast or maybe this podcast is because of my racial obsession. I don't know which way it goes, but partway through it, I was in a circle of white people at a party looking at each other's teeth and like pointing at them and like talking about them, which also, you know, you know, like people are talking about like lips and 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 it it, it we get into we get into phenotypical conversations there. Thoughts started racing through my head like. If we had a black friend that was at this party and in this circle, mm-hmm. would this conversation have have started going down a road where people are looking at physical – people are starting to like – Oh, people are like, oh, well, the contrast between your yes, skin or and teeth. Between anything right. because it's going to turn into – if there was an Asian friend and we we're mm-hmm. talking about like, well, my freckles are this, but it's always like – like if there's an elephant in the room, mm-hmm. like it's like, it's like well, you're like you, a, a hair's I, breadth away from pulling your eyes. Well, up. I am yeah, physically <laughs> in the studio. No, I am not even a hair's breadth. I'm like doing it. I'm like po- I'm pointing at my corner of my eye, and I'm like because because this is what people are doing. They're like pointing. They're they're comparing each other's arm hair. Mm-hmm. They're like looking at shades of skin. None of us are like like it's a bunch of people that you would describe as white. Yeah. None of the people there checked a card coming in that was like, I'm white and I'm here for the white people party. Mm-hmm. Nor did this conversation start because everyone was like, let's talk about white things. It, 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 I know this seems like an incredible tangent from the person asking about blackface and stuff, but to me it's related because we can put up huge, um, really, really, humanitarian blockades when we go we have a legacy here of white people being fascinated with phenotypical characteristics and how ugly that can become um and how that's and how therefore even though this millennial didn't know not to put bronzer on her face in order to be her favorite character from a uh, an amazing groundbreaking you know a show that is the absolute opposite in spirit of anything that you would think blackface would represent so what alarm bell would go off there they'd probably think this person is probably not like well here's the other thing racist. that here's the other thing that that action tells me about her life which is that she has no black friends because no one sure, or, or, no, friend, said, or like, friends no, of color or no good friends yes, that, that yeah. <laughs> 
exactly. Or that she doesn't trust her friend. Yeah, because no one was there to be like, bitch, do not do this and walk out in public. No one said that to her, which to me means that her entire social circle is super white and also super not uh, educated about stuff like that, you know? And so it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's very layered because of that. It's not just, Oh, this one person somehow grew up in a white box and didn't know about all this context. Meaning that that person also lived to like 28 and didn't bother to learn about any sort of history or uh, ra- racial and social issues. You know, like, barring all of that, this person also surrounds themselves with people that are the same way, and uh, and no one was there to be like, do not do this. It's the same as when you see an incredibly racially insensitive uh, commercial, and then you're like, oh, no one in this boardroom or the ad agency... New, clearly that was a very white boardroom and clearly that was a very white ad agency because no one in that room said maybe we don't do this. Or even had that like anxiety built into them and that's mm-hmm. the thing is like on one side of the issue you have white people left unchecked <laughs> they do harm. Uh, <laughs> they they, they for, sometimes sometimes because they, they're, they're like man my friend Jacob he looks like this and then he does it and it's like and, and, and it's like yeah you don't understand what you're doing and so you go like yeah white people could use a lot more rules and then on the other side of the issue you go rules aren't how any of us have ever blended it's not rules it's empathy and it's education the rule being empathy is the big problem solver that's what it is is like it, it's it but but I, it, if the rule was empathy and would education, a 20 year old actor two, the two have to go hand in hand would i use empathy if if i if i'm going to do a carrot now and I don't, here i go again i'm going to i'm going to sound like you're what about sea lion like, alt righty guy i'm not using logic to like chip apart empathy i'm just saying if i if i want to go as carrot top for halloween mm-hmm. like i only have so many ways to accomplish the costume to make you recognize it and one of them definitely has something to do with hairstyle mm-hmm. and so it, it all i'm i'm not all I'm pointing out is that we've got a tough road to hoe ahead of us in terms of human empathy because we have these weird traditions where we go um, when we gather together at tea parties and things and we go like we don't even realize we're we're, we're we 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 all of a sudden we're like we're talking about each other's lip shapes and shit before we, we don't we don't gather to do it and Halloween we're like I'm gonna be Alan Thick for Halloween that means I need an Alan Thick type wig what kind of hair does Alan Thick have and all this stuff yeah but these it, are all examples of white people no yeah but you know, well let me okay. finish okay, that sorry, thought right, by right, saying right. like do you see what I'm saying is that is that so what you create there if you want to be a good person and you want to never hurt anybody you never you don't you, now you have an a la carte menu of humanity, which is like black people. I'm not going to – well, I'll go as Carrot Top for, for Halloween, but I'm certainly not going to attempt Stringer Bell from the wire ever. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're, you're separating in the interest of, of respect and all these things, and it, 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 it's 
you don't you don't you don't see that there's a. I mean, I would argue that a black person would also have just as much trouble conveying that there's Stringer Bell because he's just not a character that has a lot of accessories, or it's not like he wears a, a uniform that's instantly recognizable. Yeah, that's a bad example because he's yeah. just basically he's a, just a, dude. A, a, a handsome black man that's yeah. wearing a sweater. But yeah, I I, I guess that's. It, that, that's not really largely my point. I feel like you're interpreting me as trying to like chisel away yeah, with I, logic. I don't, under, I don't understand what your point is. I'm, sa- I'm I'm using this like very specific like issue that we run up against, where it's like where the lines seem very clear to us. Where we go, we go blackface is like a huge thing, and it's like underneath this concept of blackface, where we can like bow and scrape to each other and go like, I will never, I'm not, I wouldn't do that to you. Because my great-great-grandpappy thought it was hilarious to burn cork and rub it on his face and make his lips look bigger and make it and, 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 and all these things that were like about like mocking or like or even just even if those people thought that they were doing it out of affection, uh, whatever, like the insensitivity, the disconnection, yeah. the you're like, like, oh, don't you like, look at this kind of person like this, right? Well, they and were doing go, it out of affection for making fun of people that they had enormous power over. And, and, then, we, and then we powerless. go, we've moved on. So we've evolved and we go, well, we don't do that because that is going to remind people the same way you don't put a pillowcase over your head. If you want to be a ghost for Halloween, we, we have, we, we go, let's, yeah, we don't do that. Well, Context matters. Yes, yeah. it does. And and so I'm like saying like the the Roddenberry dream is the future like right where no matter what we look like like we try to appro- like like if we were to ever acknowledge that any of us look differently we would theoretically in a world without any of that cultural momentum, like you could actually, the person that did that, that 20 year old actor, whatever they were doing, it wouldn't have been inherently offensive. It's just, it's just, it's just offensive by way of context. It's not just, it's not just that. It's also like it's power dynamics. It's, uh, it's all, it's everything. It's current power dynamics. Right. It's, but it's, you can't extricate it from history because there's also the history of like powerful white people, uh, exploiting and making money off of black people's style, black people's innovations, black people's music, and completely taking all of the profit, uh, while leaving almost nothing and exploiting black people. You know? Well, let's uh, yeah, let's speak to this guy because I, 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 this sort of speaks to a larger thing. Because like, I almost feel like you know, like our friend Andrew has this podcast. Yo, is this racist? And it's almost like the, this in, this implication, as Andrew and I talked about when I was on there, like like the, the, as if there's a, some as if there's an answer to that question, mm-hmm. which is yes or no. No, the 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 thing that we're trying to talk about is that there's a spectrum of this stuff, and so. I think the thing that people are most uncomfortable with, as they would be with anything, is accountability. So let's talk about this guy that our friend who wrote in is talking about who did, decided to do, to do a spot-on Robert Downey Jr. cosplay yeah. and all this stuff. Like, you know what? The answer is 
we don't know that guy. I, we we don't know what he was doing. Yeah. We don't know what what if if in his heart he was trying to prove that that. Like, I like, I mean I I think it's a dick move. Without knowing this guy, I think it's a dick move because he knows the context and he's doing it anyway to be edgy and to push boundaries and buttons so that he can say, well, I am portraying. If people he knew people were going to have a problem with him being in blackface and he was going to use the excuse card of, well, I'm just accurately right. being a white guy in I completely blackface. agree with you. Yeah, and I think that's a fucking dick because, move. Because he can't yeah. claim fandom of Tropic Thunder, the movie, <laughs> and that character yeah. without acknowledging that yeah. what he was doing had problematic uh, yes, because they endings. discuss blackface so, in the movie, so, so it's we not know like he what doesn't know doing. what the context is of blackface. So yeah. he's trolling. He's totally trolling, which makes him a total dick. Yeah, and he's allowed to troll, and everyone that hates him is allowed to hate him, and that's the thing where we run into this thing. It's like we talk culturally about what what what's racist, what's not, and all this stuff. It's like not the same conversation about what are you allowed to do and what is con- what should be eliminated from everything. Like. The question is why? Like only in only in in, in our wildest fucking dreams we're in charge of yeah. that. Like this guy gets to do that. He but, gets to show yes. up at a convention but, but doing really, that. But really what this conversation the question we should we should be asking isn't like sh- It's is he it, as an as, asshole. Or, yeah, is it or is it not <laughs> is it or is it not okay for him to do this? No, that's not the question we should be, the question we should be asking is why is he doing this? And the reason is because he's a fucking dick. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and and if he if he was if he came in here and was like, I mean, he'd have a hell of a time. <laughs> like he, it, his story would have to be so specific. Yeah. It would have to involve. I mean, I don't honestly like try to riff one. Like his dad died of cancer <laughs> during wish. the premiere of Tropic Thunder. I, I yeah. I mean, where would it go? Where you go? Yeah, but his wish was for you to. <laughs> confuse and off-put people because <laughs> the, here's the other thing and yeah. the reason the guy's writing the email is or asking about it was referring to that guy is because he he josh identifies himself as white and he's saying i saw this guy at WonderCon or whatever and i got it but josh knew he was white yeah. One of the things about the Robert Downey Jr. thing was like they laid their bets and they took their chances. And like the idea was, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is a white actor that's so into it. There's all the prosthetics, all the stuff. It's like heavily grounded in the idea of like if you saw Robert Downey Jr., it's not. I don't want to say it's not blackface because I don't want to get I don't want to ruffle any feathers. About, I mean, the whole point was I, that it was blackface, but it's not about rubbing rubbing shoe polish and going like, look, the difference is. It was like it's arguably more offensive because it's saying, look, my nose is flatter, my lips are thicker, my cheekbones are different. You're going there. It was an uncomfortable, crazy, fucking full blown thing. For like, it's up to. America and history and box office and and people to decide whether or not that's an asterisk on the blackface rule, what that is, what the intent was and stuff, the character in that movie and sort of to, but I, we all agree or in this studio, like to see that movie (laughs) and that joke, which is, which is dealing with all of its volatile shit and then to go, ha, finally. (laughs) Now I get to, now I get to get out my putty, yeah, and 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 simulate my version of an African descended nose, 
And and I, I get, I mean, my God, I did it. He got nominated for an Oscar for yeah. this. Now I, I get to tell everyone to fuck off yeah, if they see me exactly. aping a fucking other. Yeah, it, totally. It, 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 to me, that guy, I, I'm willing to bet my life he's a cock. <laughs> He totally is. However, he's such a cock. If he came in here and he was like, if he was like the sweetest guy in the world and he was like, you know, it's totally like, here's the thing. Like he would represent, he'd go like cosplay is a thing for me, like assuming other identities. That's what Robert Downey Jr. was doing in that movie. And, and like one of the biggest challenges in my craft is that it is like such a culturally charged thing, et cetera, et cetera. Like, like, like there is a path to that. And I, I go, that's cool, but I would also say to him, you know, our friend Josh is white and saw you at a convention, <laughs> walked by you, and it fucked him up. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so I don't know what you hope to, I mean, and, and he would go, like, I didn't hope to gain anything. I actually have a thing about wanting to perform and, like, like it makes me feel good. Th- then, like, shutting that guy down might. Yeah, it makes me feel good to, ma- to make other people feel uncomfortable and to make other people upset and angry and to make other people confused and disoriented. Well, but I don't, and I don't want to, you're going to mock me and all oh, this shit, but, like, I'm go. just saying in a, in a crazy theoretical universe. If that guy said, mm-hmm. it makes me, it, it, it like, I, yeah, oh God, I, I don't want You can already hear what I'm going to say, Armin. I know, but I just, like, I feel like it needs to be said. All like, right, like, say it. Be the white delegate. Like, 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 no, it's not even, yeah. It, like, like, if the, in a truly enlightened civilization, if the guy was like, I, I was born white, but like, I, I fuck it. I saw Robert Downey Jr. did that, and I'm also a fan of makeup. Like I've been a fan of like Lon Chaney Jr. forever, and like I, I like I love like the art of makeup and like making your face look different. And also like like I live in this like racially sensitive world, and like I, I don't know. It's just like there is a version of that guy that if he was sitting here and told a story, I could work backwards in the math and go like, I love you. What do I, you think I'm going to say to this, Harmon? I know, like you're. What do you know? I would love to hear what you're. What you think I'm going to say to you're this? You're going to say, "Why are you bending over backwards to try to figure out why it's okay for a dude to do backface?" And that's not what I'm doing. No, no, no. What I was, what I am going to say is that if that really is, if in your, it's the exactly like your hypothetical. He's really into makeup. There are literally millions of other things he can do with makeup that isn't blackface. Well, I guess I didn't mean to, I mean, but maybe you didn't, but I'm also like invoking the whole thing of like, what if it actually is a thing for him? Like, what if, what if the ethnicity angle is a thing for him? I think that's really fucked up. Well, it's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It is fucked up. It's fucked up, but he he's cosplaying and he went to a convention and like, I don't like, I, God damn it. I fucking hate you for hating me, for hating myself. I barely said anything. I just, I, I just, I want to just like, put this asterisk where it's like, 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 I don't, the one thing that I don't want to do is ever say, you can't do this. You have to do that. It's, you can like, do whatever, but the, it means you're a cock. You're like, a fucking cock. Exactly. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. like if you're interested in the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of sh- ways to learn what the rest of the world is into. You can do whatever the fuck you you want that isn't illegal, but that doesn't make you a good person. It doesn't make you decent. It doesn't make you sensitive. It doesn't make you okay. It means you're a fucking asshole, and you can be called out for being a fucking asshole. Now, you I don't mean, get to pretend you're still a good person. The monkey wrench I throw into that is going like, what? look, 20 years ago, 
what we now call the transgender community, if somebody feels more comfortable in this or that, is like using the argument of whatever upsets anybody that you walk past. I, I can't believe I've become this guy. That's not who I am. Please just erase this podcast from your phone. That's not who I am. I, 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 it's, the reason I bring this stuff up is not because I'm trying to keep us stagnated. It's because I want us to move forward into a world where – it, it, where, 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 like, we understand that actually the litmus test is: Are you a dick or not? If somebody's, if a guy's wearing a dress and it makes you uncomfortable, try to recognize that the reason you're uncomfortable is because you're the dick. Mm-hmm. If so, it, but, but if somebody's like doing blackface and it makes you uncomfortable, you you got a, go, a pretty good leg to stand on there. You're like, you know what? I saw this in a. The history text, I think you, you may be racist, like, 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 like that you're doing this. And it's like, there is it, it, it so like, it, it, there is a simple rule in this world that we think is so confusing where you could fall back on. The customer is always right. My goal is to make other people happy. Basically, I don't want to be bullied by them. I don't want them to determine everything that I do. But when I'm out and presenting, like, I want to make sure that anybody that has a problem with what I'm doing is the asshole. All right, let me put this in comedy terms. It's punch. You're an asshole if you're punching down. You can punch up, but you cannot punch down. And the example people always use is like, it's fun when at an office party, all the employees get to roast the boss. But it's really fucking shitty if the boss stands up and roasts everybody else because of the imbalance of power. So you can punch down, but you cannot punch upward. And that really, from a comedy angle, that's really what it is. Do you want to take a break? Uh, that means yes. Okay, we're taking a break. <laughs> okay, and we're back. We're going to do another email. Dan's been going through some emails, and he's picked one. Uh, okay, here's one. It's from Derek. Hi, Jessica. As an aspiring writer, I understand where I shouldn't send my writing to, as you two discussed in episode 18. Have we really done this for 18 episodes? I bet we've done more. Like, yeah, we need to, these are, this we is need to gut email. check this podcast. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Every single week that I show up to this recording studio, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm shocked that well, we're still doing Well, that this. means we should do it forever because that's a healthy, that's a healthy way to approach things. But it is incredibly difficult to find information on where I should send my writing to. Now, I want to add that he put should in italics. Um, which requires going back and highlighting it. <laughs> My writing partner and I have two half-hour sitcom pilots we're very confident in, but don't know what we should actually be doing with them. I spoke with a working showrunner today, and when I asked him the best way to get my script into the right hands, he answered very honestly that he doesn't know. And then he tends to only read scripts from friends. I don't think it's as simple as just doing the research I'm I'm adding I'm, I'm adding foam as there's a lot of conflicting information out there and even showrunners don't always know the answer. We want to get an agent, but even agents won't read our work without a referral from a writer and writers won't read our work without a referral from an agent. I'd really appreciate a reply on this as right now I feel hopeless. All right, sorry. It feels hopeless and impenetrable. Oh, uh, man. I he- fucking hear you, Derek. Like, like, <laughs> you, like, like your rage while you, d- 
<laughs> we'll, we'll invite any argument about how hard you concealed it. Um, your rage is what is the rage that beats in the heart of every writer. I, I it's like like it is not. I mean, there's fair. clearly more to Derek's story be, by virtue of the fact that he has access to a showrunner he can speak. to. I talked to a showrunner. Yeah. The other day. Why do you? Have I'll access have you know. Why do you have access to a showrunner? <laughs> like you already and got if, and something. And if that showrunner says to you, mm-hmm. "It's fucking hard and unfair," why you why you coming to us? Yeah. I, I, I'll answer that question because your showrunner friend ain't Dan Harmon. <laughs> so listen to me and not your shitty showrunner friend who probably showruns something on the CW. <laughs> I enjoy a lot of the CW's programming. I don't know if it still exists. I made up a thing I thought I could shit on. <laughs> if there's still CW oh, you're shows. shit on a broadcast network? I'll shit on everything. That's Number very one true. comedy 2017, Eat My Hairy... Balls. All right, listen, Derek. Um, I, I was talking to him. <laughs> he wants my advice, not okay. his showrunner friend. I just thought, here's the thing, Derek. You offended me. <laughs> I, I, you 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 listened to our podcast and then you went to your showrunner friend. Uh, what show? Uh, it better be Star Wars. It, the show Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, there better be. I don't know. It's like like I'm the showrunner of Rick and Morty. So like, tell your friend to like. First of all, your friend agrees with me. Second of all, why'd you go? Why'd you try to go over my head? <laughs> your shitty showrunner. Friend. And also, like, how about the fact that you have access to a showrunner? Like, that's a huge leg up. Yeah, you know, if you uh, if we wrote him back right now, we were like, "Look, you have a showrunner friend." Next, he'd be like, "Well, let me clarify. Uh, my my showrunner friend is Dan Schneider, and his, uh, things aren't going well." <laughs> you know, he'd he'd like start throwing his friend under the bus immediately. Yeah, this is what I'll say. Um, yeah, it's true. Everybody, this this whole system operates on referrals for a reason because everyone. As an executive once told me when I first was trying to get my start in the industry, everyone can type, so everyone thinks they can write. Um, and so you've got to put filters in place to weed out the the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of randos who all think they can write. And you just do not have it. There's no possible humanly way you can do your job and still deal with all the solicitations. This is what I'll say to you. Here are the ways to get started. If you um, are trying to be a writer and you've written one or two samples and now you're like, now what? Um, in the previous episode, I uh, previous two episodes, I think, I, co- I said, you know, one of the best ways to, to get started is get any entry-level job in the industry, a PA, a writer's assistant, an executive's assistant, any entry-level job in any sort of entertainment capacity, just so you can get into the industry, so you can be around people who are already working in the, in the industry, do your job well, work hard, be likable, and be yourself, and when people, and let people know that, I mean, not in an obnoxious way, but let people know that you want to be a writer, you're an aspiring writer, and you're just trying to get your start, when they like you and care about you, they're going to want to help you, and at some point they will say, do you have something that I can read if you ever want me to read something or if you ever want me to pass on something for you, I will do that for you. That's how you cement these relationships or barring that if that's something okay, you that's, can't do. That's Jessica's. Sure. Okay. There's more. If you can't right. do that, there are millions, not millions, but there's tons and tons and tons of festivals, of screenwriting contests and also of writing fellowships. Writing fellowships is how I got my start. 
If when you get something, when you win a screenwriting contest or um, you get accepted into some sort of festival or um, you get into some sort of fellowship, there's this like built in thing that kind of legitimizes you a little bit. That's one level of filtration. It's all about filtration. And and really, it's just making contacts and trying to find different ways that you can kind of make yourself legitimate in the eyes of professionals. Okay, here's my answer. Hey, shit face. Um, <laughs> you, you, uh, you love writing so much that all you want to do is talk about how unfair it is. Um, you write with a partner you vaguely alluded to. I guess fuck their humanity, you coward. You, like, you, you write with a partner because you don't know whether or not you know how to write. So how about accept the fucking privilege of the fact that you can get this far, not knowing whether you're good or bad, and focusing your attention on how unfair the system is, is one of many dodges we all use, along with mass masturbation and video games. Just fucking write, you fucking coward. Like, write without your partner if you love writing that much. Like, the day that you write something so fucking good that you can look me in the eye, even though you don't have any access to me, and tell me you've written the best thing in the world, which, by the way, will make you a better writer than I ever thought I was before I got lucky, then, like, you win. You're the best writer in the world that has been treated so unfairly by an unfair system. I'm telling you, it's not likely. Like, you are not a person who has written that quality of script. Otherwise, you wouldn't be writing to a podcast host to talk about the logical conundrum of how you need to have written in order to get a job writing, but if you get a job writing, you have to have written. I give up at this point. Then give up! Because you're not a writer! Because you're writing with a partner, and they probably are embarrassed to hear this. Because they're either worse than you, in which case they're on your coattails and embarrassed that you did this, or even worse than that, you're on their coattails and you should shut the fuck up. Like, the idea of writing to a podcast host to try to blow the lid off the writing industry means you will do anything other than write well. In order to get your career started, I am not like Jessica. I do not. But but here and here's the the cool thing about this team up is like Jessica's a Chinese woman who maybe wouldn't get anywhere through my jingoistic like Jim Belushi bullshit approach to like be the best gunslinger in town. She's saying, yeah, if you feel like something's truly unfair to you, then you got to go the fucking alleyway. Of like, yeah, life's unfair where you got to work hard and do like internships and apprenticeships and, and like all this stuff. And then there's this other thing where you hear me being apologist for like guys like me where it's like, yeah, but what if you just want to fucking write? Like one pick one of those lanes, I would say. <laughs> Like, and I don't care what race or gender you are, but like, pick either, either you're like, like, yeah, life is fair and I'm going to prove I'm the best, or you're like, life is unfair uh, or therefore I'm going to do the research. Like, like, yeah, like sitting behind your laptop and going like, I've written, I'll have you know, I have a showrunner friend, I've written two pilot scripts, I have a writing partner, I have to, you know, it's hot, you know, here's what I've noticed from my vantage point, how unfair the writing industry is. Writing is hard. No one is debating that, right? Getting into the writing industry, the screenwriting industry. I don't industry like your tone, uh, Derek. <laughs> I wonder if this is what it's like for you watching like Angry Morning Jessica talk. Ne- next email. <laughs> We're done with Derek? Yeah, fuck him. 
and, and let him get so angry that he dumps his writing partner or encourages them to dump him and like write something from the heart and he want to have these fucking questions. Yeah, and the other thing I will say to other people who maybe have the similar questions to Derek is that the other thing, in addition to the two things I said, um, would be to produce your own content, like write something, find a friend who wants yeah, to no direct. Yeah, no shit, he knows that's an find, option. He knows find, it's hard. Find actor, find friends who want to be actors, make your own thing, put it online. Really, it's about making good stuff and then making it accessible to people. Because if you have something that's really fucking good and it goes viral, the agents will come to you. The managers will come to you. Hmm. We, managers won't come to you unless you... Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. We know we're all lucky. All right, next email. Hello, Jessica. I love your podcast. Exclamation point. At first, I was quite skeptical how enjoyable a podcast mostly about race and its problems could be. But you both employ such good humor. Yeah, fuck you. Cutting off your email. Because backhanded. I didn't think it would be good. Fuck you. Go away. Why are you so fire? Man. Right. Next email. That guy really got under your skin. You know, I'm, I, 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 next email from Jamie. <laughs> I live in China and I am white. I experience and see a lot of racism toward black and white people in China. For example, white people get screwed over unless they speak Chinese. What are your thoughts? I didn't, I didn't mean. I didn't mean to laugh. I, I'm laughing because I, I like your email because it's short and it's like it's. Yeah, because a lot of people write in and it's it takes it takes them three paragraphs to get to their question. I do, like let me tell you, my grandma used to make me soup. You know, they always understood the thing. But my sojourn into podcast listening probably begins the first time I ever heard of radio. Well, my radio ran out of batteries and I found the internet to compare the poorly and then it was when it's a good thing to this podcast. Podcast about race? Well, maybe I should listen. About him being familiar with Harmon's work, I decided to deign a listen. Cuts the long story short. I'm a white man and I have a screenplay. Fuck, just go fuck yourself. I'm so glad I don't have any access to this email. (laughs) I can't believe you read this shit. These people can go fuck themselves. Look, most emails people are very respectful. Most of them are nice. And I also, I I do like when I love that people write in and tell me like that they're like a white cisgendered man or what or woman or whatever. Like it's nice because we did ask we were we wondered no, we who who is listening to this it's nice that people are self-reporting i love that i hope you guys continue to do that and i love when people tell me about their lives i like, can't believe i ever i yeah. i spent the last 20 episodes high roading you like you because about you were, reading emails you were so mad at all these people yeah. and i'm like jessica it don't took be... you two seconds to be oh, in, these people are monsters and they deserve every... rage i mean yeah it's it's and you're just randomly picking emails yeah. too that's really and i'm picking ones where i'm like oh maybe this won't make me mad. And then I'm like, uh, I, 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 this is why I have to take breaks, like month long breaks from reading emails because for every like, Oh, here's one. Oh, Dirk, Dirk says, hi, Jessica. <laughs> you can tell Dan, I said, hi as well as he won't read this. Okay. I mean, so, to be fair, that's true. I mean, that's well, a no, it's very... not true. Obviously it's not true. So this here's the, the thing. Uh, oh, here's the, here's your, Oh, it's the greatest night of your life. Dirk. Fake name, um, uh, your fake ass like uh, Trump bot like Hotmail account. Uh, it's the uh, hey, Dirk. Welcome to the greatest day of your life. Dan read your email. Okay, but he's not wrong because the when he wrote that email in, you had never once read an email. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, but don't. I mean, it's a, I don't like a like. Oh, yeah. I know you don't respond to positive comments, but I think you're doing a great job. Fuck you. <laughs> 
You can't take a compliment. You can't goad me into. Don't tell me who I am. Wait, right. we didn't even we didn't even answer that last email right. that made you so mad. Oh, well, that guy was he knows black people in China and they're racist. What was it? Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's uh, yeah. here's the thing. Chinese people are racist. Yeah, so and, are black people in China. Yeah, Chinese. Sure. Well, Chinese people are very racist. But the the thing is, it's the the context isn't the same because. A race in America is very different than race in China because in China it's full of Chinese people, right? And Chinese people are Chinese. You know what I mean? In America, there is no one way to look American. America is made up of a million, millions of different kinds of people from all races. There isn't one American race, and that is the difference. Because the a lot of people have written in about like racism in China, but. It's different because there are Chinese people, and then there are people who are not Chinese. There is a very distinct difference. It's a homogenous society We're, versus America. There isn't one color that Americans should be, and that is the problem. Yeah. That's what we talk about when we talk about racism in America. So the Chinese woman in the podcast is saying, in regards to Chinese racism, suck it up, America. We're we're here to talk about how America can change. Um, all right, so Dirk, I just I scanned it while you were talking. AIDS. He 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 he, he wants, he's talking about a specific movie that I haven't seen, so I'm not gonna. It's a, a you, you probably read it. Okay, uh, daily blogging. Oh, because here's the thing. I have fucking have you have you been daily blogging? Not talk- anymore. I I, da- I only daily blogged before I became. I want to own writer. up to how what a fucking failure I am at that. <laughs> Hopefully that so that people listening can be like I'm a failure too, and that they won't. Cause, like, like don't feel bad if you like, fail at yeah, daily let's, blogging. Let's let's fail and then succeed together. So I'm. All right, jump to an email we can actually answer. This person, this may be a female name. Oh, wait, before you actually do that, I do want to add in, like, when I think that this is a good segue from that guy who asked about racism in China, um, a lot, okay, so Wes Anderson's new movie, Isle of Dogs, is coming out, and a lot of Asian Americans have been writing about how it is cultural appropriation. Like, why did he set it in Japan, and yet, like, almost the entire cast except for like maybe two characters are like the white actors he normally works with it's weird that he said it in japan it's like it's it's a weird choice and so much of it there's this question of is it homage versus appropriation and then a lot of people have been uh, attacking those critics and saying look he had like a Japanese actor friend of his working on the movie with him who came up with the movie with him together. People in Japan don't give a shit and don't think that this is cultural appropriation. So how dare you Asian Americans get mad about this? But I think that those people don't have their heads so far up their asses that they don't understand that that's precisely the point. Why would people in Japan give a shit? They don't live in America and have to deal with the racism and othering of Asian Americans in America in their own country. That's the thing. Why would Japanese people in Japan give a fuck? Like, this is not their issue. This is our issue. Our meaning Asian Americans. Asian Americans are the ones who deal with not being seen as American, having their home culture being appropriated in America. They're the ones who live with it, deal with it on a daily basis. Of course they're the ones who care because it's the issue that affects them and matters to them. Why the fuck would the Japanese people give a fuck? And that is not an excuse. Just because some people in another 
another country don't care about what's happening socially with racism in America, that doesn't mean it's okay. No, of course not. We're the yeah. melting pot country. We're supposed to be making this shit work here. Yeah. Like, let every other country be as worse. Uh, who cares? Yeah, what, they what don't it? have the melting pot issue in Japan. So, of course, they don't get it and they don't care. Uh, I heard some of that, but I was looking at this one. I, oh, here I, we go. I here applaud. we go. Uh the, 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 Turn from, down your volumes right now. An anonymous person. No, I just find this f- fucking confusing and fascinating. Hello, Jessica and Dan. Longtime listener, first time emailer. Already disingenuous. <laughs> well, because it's a new podcast. Like, like, like what? Like, while listening to episode sixteen, I picked up on something that might be a bit of a theme. Dan seems to believe that black women, or as he states in episode sixteen, women of color. Unquote. Like like okay that that's a, that's a that's a that's a phrase I coined to this <laughs> right, person who's going to go on to keep reading. like to relieve themselves in inappropriate places seems to believe this is this person's like in in previous episodes Dan mentions that while working on community he had a meeting with Yvette Nicole Brown who felt uncomfortable with the script calling for her character taking a shit on the floor not true this person is not familiar at all it was all in the drawer the, yeah exactly. Uh, around the 18-minute mark in episode 16, Dan said of VH1's Flavor of Love production team, uh, quote, We like to sneak in under the cover of night and drop a bunch of Flavor of Loves where, you know, a bunch of women of color are taking shits on the floors and like, and like, like fighting with each other. As this is something that has come up several times on the podcast, I was wondering if we could explore this. Is it a fetish or is it something deeper? Well, this deeper pers- than a fetish. This person, this like person, I'm racist, and I believe, yeah, this yeah. Well, person this person is- also doesn't understand that the flavor, flavor of love thing is actually as in reference to an actual thing that happened on an episode of Flavor of Love. Probably the most gee, wonder, notorious I, episode. Geez, I wish if I, I, I wish this person, I, I can understand the misunderstanding because I, I just wish that this person had access to some form of technology um, uh, where uh, they could type the exact phrases that they're typing into their email into a thing and hit send and get a bunch of <laughs> links where they could look at the answers to their questions. Okay, you know why this is making me smile so wide? Because it's- I told you, I don't, you always told me, like, I don't like these fucking emails, and I was like, don't look at them. No, and- it's not even that. <laughs> it's because when we got into our big fight over whether or not it's appropriate to try to get someone to read your script, you said, well, how are these people supposed to know? And I said, they should fucking do a Google search oh, well, and research. Jessica, that's not. <laughs> Listen to my cackle, Dan. <laughs> no, that's not. That's like, like. All the, right, listen. The, this... idea, the idea that people should do research if they have a question about whether or not, like, what does Dan mean when he says this? Like, like that's different from saying you should do research before you send a screenplay to somebody. I don't know. Whatever. What? But... Oh man, the backpedaling right, right. on this. Okay, all, right, all right, right, but anyway, yeah, so right, for right, the benefit right. of this emailer, um, that is that was a notorious episode, probably the most famous episode of Flavor of Love, where during the elimination. Uh, a, a woman actual had diarrhea and shit on the floor through her dress and then ran out off stage. Um, and it was like the most notorious episode of Flavor of Love. And, you know, just to like, I know this person's email concludes with bullet points. They go, uh, does Dan believe that women of color like young animals are not housebroken? Because, oh, boy. Because that's the. 
the the animals that shit on the floor are that's because they're young. Like like what, has Dan this person also obviously doesn't own a pet. Like like on top of all the other alienating things about them, has Dan <laughs> witnessed a w- woman of color taking a shit in an inappropriate place, which has since colored the way he views the actions of non-white women ever since. I just I just scanned this in my email box in the email box. I'm like, this is like like that's in, it's insane to me. Like I I think I, like, this person's doing a bit. Well, I think this is a bit. Well, I guess I yeah, they are. It's yeah. clearly an anonymous account. I mean, what? this is a, this this person well, is just do doing a bit. bit? The bit is just like ha ha. Like the, this is some weird fucking theory about Dan that I made up. Well, but the theory would be ma- based on because. Well, because the because the theory all because the, if you did, all the if you, evidence is based on like uh, half understanding anecdotes that you were telling, right? But so you think the person is like Andy Kaufmaning our podcast? Like they that like they're they're for an exclusive audience of two? Like they're like like I know. I think this is the Occam's Razor says this person's a fucking idiot who who listens to words and hears words like black woman. And t- turns their antenna up and then proceeds to, like, look for ways to be offended, and which is achieving the absolute opposite effect because they they heard me t- telling these stories about how I was, like, less, like, aware of, like, shit and, like, working with people and, like, how the, the story involved a vet coming to me and going, like, I don't want to shit in a drawer. I'm a black woman. And me thinking, yeah, oh, brother, whatever. Like, which, by the way, is, first of all, the opposite thing of, like, it's not like I was like, oh, black women should shit in drawers so I could jerk <laughs> off. It was the opposite. It was like, oh, I, when she met, when she equated it with her race, my thought was, oh, here we go again with the blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and then, and then, like, for me to connect and then to act like, oh, this has been going on forever. It's like. There's a. It's one episode. <laughs> it's episode sixteen keeps being cited as if it's a Nexus database. Yeah, it's the same conversation. We're talking about fucking black women and me going, oh shit, I don't know. Like, 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 is there a thing? And I'm like worried about it. Fuck this person. <laughs> I don't. But for you to say, oh, they're a genius comedian. Like this is Tim Heidecker. Like no, writing I don't think it. No, no, this a is genius a fucking comedian. bona fide idiot. No one's a genius comedian. I'm just saying. I think this person is doing a bit. I do. I. Yeah, but I wouldn't give them any credit for that. No, I think that person is, is – I think their bit is they're being smug and going like, hmm, I think I caught on to something. And I want to say to them, you're a terrible person. You're, you're, you're an animal that shits on floors. Uh, like, like, like what you're, you're, you're awful. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like you. I, if I, if I saw you on the street, I would, I would, I would pat my pockets while I walked around you. I, I don't, I hate you. I resent you. I can't wait to retire and be away from you. Let's move on to the next email. Oh, we're going to do more. Yeah. Just one more. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's try to like, let's, let's try let's, to find one. Let's that'll... finish off on a, on a positive note. I began listening. Oh, look at this. I began listening to Harmontown about a year and a half ago during that time I was living in sober house in Portland. An entire country between me and my family and home in San Antonio is freshly out of my fifth stay. Hermantone helped me find. When I heard Dan was starting a new podcast, boy, am I glad I was wrong. It's another person that thinks that's a compliment to tell you that. All right, this one's too long. I can already see how long this email is. Pick a pick a short email, Harmon. Well, the short emails can sometimes be, but this person. I've listened to every episode since it started at least twice. 
I mean, that's, well, that's I mean, nice. That's, 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 that's amazing. I mean, it's that's listening incredible. to this shit twice. It yeah. has shown me a side. I mean, this person's you know they've been in like halfway houses and stuff, and and, and they're like like I don't know for some reason they've they, we don't deserve it, but they've I don't know they're anchoring to us. It has shown me a side of the industry I hope to one day be a part of that I wasn't fully aware of before. Of course, I knew about the cultural and gender divide in Hollywood, but I had never before heard it discussed so eloquently. That's on you. Com- comically, <laughs> that's me, or thoughtfully, team effort. <laughs> you two have helped open my eyes to the many problems facing not just the industry, but the individuals that make modern television what it is. What I've gathered is that the more you are willing to accept another person's perspective and creative input, especially someone who may be able to bring something to the table that I, as a white male, simply wouldn't be able to, the answer, sorry, the easier it is to create something that is able to reach an audience as broad as the one you guys at Rick and Morty have managed to reach, which is basically every single one of my friends, their middle-aged parents, and their middle school children. Above all else, listening to the two of you has taught me that the only way to succeed in the way I want to succeed in the industry is to put my head down, write what I know, and keep writing until I can't write anymore. I'm Magically, I picked this as our last email. And to be able to be happy doing that and only that until I get hit by a bus on my way to deliver my script to someone who could help me get my foot in the door and then accept that after the bus hits me, they may just throw the script in the trash. I guess what I'm trying and miserably failing to articulate is that every new episode you guys put out arms me with a little more insight, knowledge, and motivation to keep doing the thing I love to do and then maybe take it a step further and put myself and my work out there for the world to see in whatever capacity. I guess I mostly just wanted to thank you both. So thank you, Dan, for the laughs, the tears, the motivation, the dungeons, the dragons, and the wonderful stories about Sharpies and certain orifices. I'll tell you about that later, Jessica. And thank you, Jessica. What if this list is, like, lacking? (laughs) For your perspective, your wit, your insightful comments, and your ability to not back down from your opinions and what you feel is right. You two have inspired me more than I could ever possibly put into words. Thank you. P.S. Attached, you'll find my spec script for Rick and Morty. Kidding. (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, Perfect last email. Yeah, thank and you, really, Oliver. He, and he really encapsulated like what what he really distilled what our general advice is: put your head down, write, 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 and when opportunity the opportunity comes for you to uh, non dickishly give your email to or give your script to somebody, that's when you do it. Empathy. Yeah, I don't know. That was great. Wonderful email. Look, you've you've soothed the savage beast that is Harmon because now he's calm. Yeah, and I could say you you really thought you really thought that we this would have been a better episode if we had ro- rolled in here after a, like an hour conversation about not an hour, Harmon. When do we ever have an hour conversation before the pod? It's like ten minutes. But you were like, you like. You like the, you like the, you like the control a little bit. I'm like, constantly like, trying to edit you. That's the thing. Right? Like you're like you're like oh well you you read that email so like edit that one out. Like you're like you're so worried that the podcast will be like boring. I yeah, I don't want there to be a lot of dead space. I don't want there to just be you know uh, a thirty straight minutes of rambling. Like I want. I got I'm respecting. Bad, that's such I'm bad respect- news for you. I'm, res- <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to mitigate that. I understand that. <laughs> that's what this podcast is, but I'm trying to mitigate that. I want to respect right. our listeners' time. All right. Well, 
But it was kind of fun me yeah, just cracking open the laptop. It was uh, a joy for me to watch you go through emails. It caused you a little of anxiety though, right? Like you're, you're cause you're, not not because you but you part of it was you wanted me to see that morass. Yeah, of course I did. But part of it but then it was competing with your your podcast producer personality where you were like this isn't <laughs> well, I'd, I I don't want it. To, I didn't want us to get unnecessarily cruel to people who had put themselves out there and written into us. Well, God, I mean, yeah, but uh, okay, yeah, I guess that's. I weird. mean, uh, some people earned your ire. <laughs> I mean, most of them, I guess. Most, I mean, you really start. Oh well, once you started getting real hot under the collar, there was like no stopping you. Like, can't you just use your I statements, people? I, I just say, like, I, I know, I feel this way, I feel that way. Like, like when you say, if I say to you, um, I am afraid that you're a dirty piece of shit. <laughs> what did I just express? That's not like, that, like I've just cr- criticized you. If, if I say I like clean things. Then you, as a dirty piece of shit, get to decide whether you want to risk my judgment. But like, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't get through to these people. All right, I'm going to end on this and just say that you were absolutely right about tap water ice cubes because today the uh, Starburns uh, Studios, Starburns Industries ice maker was turned off, and so we had to use ice tray ice cubes made with tap water. And when it gets to the bottom of my glass, it really I can taste it. I do. And you you told you'd foretold that that would happen, and I didn't believe you. Yeah, I for people that wrote in, if you felt abused, I'm I'm sorry, and I especially I'm sorry for if you are thinking about writing in and you're afraid to. Trust me, I'm not going to read your emails. Yeah, I mean, at least just know that that this was a rare anomaly and probably won't happen again for a, in a blue moon. Yeah, Dad's a little drunk, and he came home, and he, he, Mom was like. <laughs> They won't clean the room, and I, I came in your room, and I started swinging a broom around. <laughs> it's like it happens; it's part of childhood. Um, but as always, it's going to make you a good writer. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be a great comedian one day. Um, thanks for writing in. For those of you who aren't terrified to write in, uh, our email is whitingwongs at gmail dot com. <laughs> Don't be a fucking moron. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's a good show. <laughs>